The purpose of Wealth Talk is to educate, inform, and hopefully entertain you on the subject of building your wealth. Wealth Builders recommends you should always take independent financial, tax, or legal advice before making any decisions around your finances. Welcome to episode 198 of Wealth Talk. My name is Christian Rodwell, the Membership Director for Wealth Builders, joined today by our founder, Mr. Kevin Whelan. Hello, Kevin. Hi, Chris. Good to be with you on this sunny day. Yep, yep. Good to be back again. Have you been battling ChatGPT anymore since our recent episode? Uh, I haven't been battling it, but uh, certainly been exploring it and, and thinking about it and some relevance, AI in particular, to this particular topic you've selected for today, which is really, how have you titled today? What's the title of the podcast? Today is three essential insurance policies you should consider. All right. Well, it's not a very sexy title, so let's sex it up a bit, shall we? Look, the way I see it, and I've mentioned this several times now, we're all living longer. So if we're living longer, we've got the risk of living longer to deal with. But, of course, the corollary of that is some people will die too soon. So both are risks. Dying too soon is a risk to the family left behind, and living too long is a risk to you, and also a risk to the next generation. So somewhere in the midst of all of this, it's not about policies. It's not about plans and products. It's about you recognizing as an individual, as a wealth builder or a potential wealth builder, that you are in the risk management business. Right? You have to be, because if you live a long life, you've got to manage your money. And if you die, you've got to manage the expectations of the next generation. And either way, you've got to consider the impact on other people. And in, in my experiences, people don't want to do that. And they don't seek the clarity of being able to make the assessment of what risk really means. And risk really means something could go wrong in your life. What are the consequences of that going wrong? And how do you feel about those consequences? And once you have awareness, and I think the key to this is awareness. So it means having a chat with yourself, not a chat GPT, but a chat with self and go, right, how do I really feel about this? What's my view about my family? What's my view about me and my family? What's my view about the next generation? And unfortunately, so few people do that. And I'd like to encourage the debate, the self-debate or the family debate, because my own father died with no will, no power of attorney, no life cover, no business succession plan, nothing, uh, and set the family backwards. That wasn't an intended plan. That was just a lack of attention to detail and taking the time to make an assessment. So to me, the big cry out for me is, Stop and have a think about it. And then once you think about it, you can make a reasonable assessment of whether you want to accept the risk and go, I'll self-insure. Right? Because we self-insure every day. Do you have a risk? Do you have a policy, Chris, that if your washing machine breaks down, you know, you'll to, to cover the replacement of it, or do you just buy a new washing machine when it breaks down? Well, I'm assuming you, you'd be like me. You'd go, well, look, got enough cash flow. 
then things like that would be irritating but not devastating. So you shouldn't insure it. Things that you should insure, or at least consider the insurance, is things that will be devastating. And the kind of wealth builder view of devastation is each person should think about it. But the dying too soon is definitely one. And, and I know we listened to Paul picking up on that. And he dives into the factual stuff. And it's useful, but it doesn't help in the risk assessment. So, you know, maybe we should let Paul talk about the practices and the principles. And then you and I can dive into, well, okay, so how does that, how can you think about it? Because unless you do the thinking, whether you've got something called this policy or that policy is, is, is irrelevant. It's like if you're driving a car, your outcome is you want to get from A to B. You don't really care whether it's a Ford, whether it's a Volvo. Not at the beginning, if you if cars didn't exist, you know, cars or brands you didn't know about, you just want to get from A to B. So you'd be able to work out, that's my objective, I want to get from A to B. Then what's the best way to do it? Is it to walk? Is it to cycle? Is it to get on a horse or is it driving a car? And you'd work out what it is you want to do. And so it is with this. You have to work out your destination, what's important to you, first and not important to somebody else mm. and i should just point out as well that we are breaking this down into two parts so this week we're focusing on the individual so personal cover and protection next week we're going to be focused on protection for business owners so uh so a two-part podcast but um yeah probably good point for us to break and uh head on over to our conversation with sas director mr paul brooks hello paul welcome back to wealth talk how are you yeah, hi Chris. I'm great, thanks. Good to be back. Yeah, yeah. Well, not hasn't been too long this time. Uh, it was back in March, episode one eight five, where uh, where you last appeared, and uh, obviously we're in communication every day, running wealth builders and uh, looking after our members. And uh, today we are focusing on really important topic. It's actually part one of a two part kind of podcast series we're going to do all around the topic of protection but today focusing on personal protection and really you know protecting yourself and your loved ones if the worst happens so important stuff absolutely yeah really key and just, yeah i guess it might sound if you're just tuning in like we're talking about you know personal protection bodyguards no we're talking about <laughs> life cover and other things that are designed to protect you in the event of the worst happening right so yeah yeah that's it so before we get into the the three things that you you need to think about here in terms of your personal protection for your wealth and your family, um, let's look at really the problem that exists here. So, um, you know, what are some of the the the, the common reasons you see um, that stop either stop people from taking out the right protection or getting it wrong? So, but what are some of those things, Paul? Yeah, I think honestly, there are two or three key things. The first one is nearly always cost. You know, people either have a feeling that life cover or one of the other types of cover that, that I'll talk about um, today is very expensive. So they just don't do it. Sometimes it's this feeling that insurance companies never pay out and they'll do everything they can not to pay out. And so why bother taking it? It's a waste of money. Statistically, actually not true. Um, you know, life cover life insurance companies want to pay claims. They want to have a claims record that's good because otherwise people wouldn't take insurance. Um, but nonetheless, definitely um, people have that perception and that feeling, that negative feeling towards those companies. 
can also be a bit complicated. You know, there are several types of cover and it's easy unless you've got someone who's an expert in the topic guiding you through it or you're, you're confident and comfortable to do research and things online to, to not be sure exactly what it is you're getting, um, you know, perhaps end up with the wrong thing. Um, I would say they're the three most common issues that I've come across, certainly. Yeah. And I suppose no one really teaches you what you need, do they? It's not something you learn in school and, you know, right. some people are a bit more switched on and, you know, get it, get it sorted, but it's easy to just not get it sorted, isn't it? Because. Absolutely. Yeah, it really is. You know, as you, as you say, it's, it's one of the many things we don't teach uh, to people at school or actually even in higher education. Um and, you know, some people are lucky that in their job they might have, you know, benefits provided and some of those benefits are, are some of the things we'll talk about today. Uh, so you don't have to think about it. It's already there as part of your package. But for people that don't or for people that need more protection, um, you know, you it's, it's, it's really quite an important topic. And, and I'm quite passionate about it, actually, because it was something that I used to be involved in uh, some years ago uh, and, and really for me it was quite integral and, and of course for us wealth builders it's an integral part of what we teach isn't it in in the foundation of of the academy um yeah that really is one of those key principles to protecting uh family and assets so yeah so it's probably worth just expanding a little bit on on you know your background experience there paul just so uh we know you're qualified to talk about this topic yeah, well, sure. Um, I mean, in case you didn't know, I used to be a financial advisor. Um, and one of my passions was protection. Um, you know, I, I really, there's there's such a huge number of people that have no cover at all. And, and even more probably still that have some cover, but probably not enough. Um, you know, one of the things that I used to help people really focus on is getting the right cover for the right amount of time and at the right price and making sure that you had the protection you needed but you weren't paying the earth for it. One of the things that you see a lot is people who have overinsured. They've taken out sometimes way more cover than they need um, and, and we'll come on to it a bit later, but, you know, one of the key elements that determines the cost of any cover is how long it's going to protect you for. And I think, you know, part of my passion was making sure people had great cover, but they weren't over-insuring. They were getting cover at a time where they were vulnerable, where they were most at risk. Um, and again, I guess, you know, that relates back to, to the principles that we teach, Chris, doesn't it? You know, making sure that whilst you're not at a point of financial security or financial independence, depending on whichever level is, you know, the one you're striving for at the time, that's the time where you should consider having cover to protect you. When you're at that place, you can choose to have that cover, but you're far less reliant um, on having those extra protections in place. Okay, so let's break down then the three key types of insurance for our listeners, Paul, in simple terms, um, so that they can understand, you know, have they got the right cover and um, what to do if you haven't. So, uh, Let's start with the first type of protection. Which one is that? Well, I mean, very simply and easily, the first one we should, should start with is just straightforward life cover. Sometimes it goes by some slightly snazzy names. You know, the financial industry is full of jargon, so it's called term assurance. 
sometimes it's just called protection. But basically, what we're talking about here is life cover. So in the simplest possible terms, if you die during the term of the policy, during the length of time that you've covered yourself for, you would get, you, your loved ones would get a lump sum. Typically, it can be an income, it depends, but usually a lump sum paid out by the insurance company. Usually included within those kinds of policies is actually uh, something called terminal illness, without getting into too much detail. As the name suggests, if you are diagnosed with a terminal illness, and that means an expectation of not living longer than a year, then under those conditions, usually a life insurance policy would pay out in advance to help you with making sure you're looked after, you get the health and palliative care you need, et cetera, et cetera. All the things that you might need if that was something that, you know, you were at that stage in your life. Not a fantastic topic to talk about, you know, and again, possibly the reason why people don't think about insurance, because they don't want to have to think about what would happen if they or someone they love was no longer there. But really, really important if you for any number of reasons, would want your family or people that you care about to receive some money if you were no longer there. Now, this is something you can take out yourself, right? Personal. Is it something as well for people who are employed may get this through their through their their um their employer? They may well do, yeah. So lots of, of people um nowadays as well as getting things like a pension from their employer, you may well have heard the term death in service. So death in service is usually part of a group policy. So you're a, you're a business, you might employ any number of people, you go to an insurance company, they can set you up with a group policy. It's very easy to add and remove people, usually with limited or even no underwriting, which means they don't even look into your health and your lifestyle um, but usually that's only available through employment. So if you're employed, and you're not sure if you've got it, do check out, you know, do check out with your with your, your employer, your HR team to find out what type of life cover or death in service cover you've got. But yeah, absolutely um, is, is pretty standard for most employees, uh, depending on where you work. Now, you know, we'll come on to kind of what to do if you haven't got this, but um, of course, in all cases, it's speaking with a professional, um, an advisor who will be able to talk you through all of this and uh, understand, you know, hopefully work out the, the length of term and uh, give you all of the information that you need to make the right decision. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. You know, it's important to to seek advice if it's not something you're confident about. And also, actually, because IFAs, financial advisors and, and even protection specialists who just focus primarily on this, have a range of tools where they can search the whole of the market. And one of the biggest traps that I see people fall into is they just go down to their bank and take out a life insurance policy with their bank, which is actually never provided by their bank. It's always provided by one of the same insurance companies that you would get recommended to you if you went to a financial advisor. But the difference is the premiums can be higher because the bank has to make something from the transaction. And secondly, even if it doesn't, they only offer cover from one insurance provider. So instead of looking at the whole of the market, and insurance is a weird thing, it's, it's really strange, not just life insurance, but all insurance. One insurance provider could charge you 
X number of pounds per 10,000 pounds of cover, and another could charge you significantly less because they all have a different way of assessing risk. So to someone your age category and your lifestyle and your status may be low risk. For someone else, it may be high risk. So there can be a real difference between the premiums. Now, I don't know if I remember this correctly, Paul, and it may have been even Kevin saying this may have been a previous podcast. I've got it in my head that the people selling the insurance get paid based on the term. So the longer the term, the bigger the payout. Is that correct? Yes, it is in lots of cases. Um, I suppose it depends really how the person who's recommending the cover to you gets paid. And there are usually only two ways. They either get paid a commission by the insurance provider. And that commission is based on a calculation of how much cover you're taking. But one of the biggest factors, you're absolutely right, is how long is the term of the cover? The longer the term, the bigger the commission. However, lots of IFAs and lots of protection specialists have moved away from commission and have gone to fixed fees. So they'll charge a fee of whatever that may be, £500, £1,000, to do a piece of work, which includes searching the market, finding an appropriate insurer, recommending the one that they believe is going to suit your needs the best. And in many, if not most cases, they would sacrifice the commission. So there's no commission payable. You've paid a fee and actually, therefore, that commission is removed from the transaction, which can have an impact, a big impact on the premiums. Mm. Not always so. Sometimes it's a combination of those two things. But the, the the regulated professional you're working with will always be transparent about how they're going to get paid. And, and you can sometimes choose which route you want to, to take. If you don't want to pay an upfront fee, you can pay by commission. Yeah. So that might be for some people, you know, good to just get that out of the way and understand that before they begin the discussions. Yeah, absolutely. And and whenever you engage with a financial advisor or, or a regulated advisor, they always have to make sure that they tell you how they get paid. Okay, great. So anything else to cover on life cover there, Paul, that we haven't well, I guess all all that would be worth summarizing is some of the key reasons why you might want life cover. Um, and there could be many, right? So I'm just going to categorize the top few. Probably the most obvious one is paying off a big debt like a mortgage. Um, you know, if you've got a family, especially if you've got children um, and you are one of or the only uh, breadwinner, for want of a better expression, and your income into your household is what pays some or all of the mortgage and you are now no longer here, sadly, the mortgage company isn't going to care you know, the mortgage still needs to be paid. Now, at best, that can be serious upheaval. It means at a time where things are already traumatic, you then might have to think about going to get a job or, you know, doing something else to bring some more income in or possibly even downsizing or moving because you can't afford to pay the mortgage. At worst, it could mean you lose your house. So having some insurance there to cover either a pot of money that allows you to continue paying the mortgage or a pot of money that allows you to pay the mortgage off completely um, could be hugely, hugely beneficial if you've lost someone who, you know, makes a big contribution to the household. And, and let's not dismiss the hugely important role of the homemaker. You know, nowadays, men and women more and more have a dynamic where one of them is working, one of them is not. Um, the one who is not plays a significantly important role in keeping the family running and taking the kids and tutoring and all sorts of different things. And again, the loss of that person, aside from the obvious devastation to the family, can have a massive financial impact. The breadwinner might have to take time off of work to now replace the role that 
you know, the mum or dad who's died did. Or you might have to bring in care for the children, you know, uh, a nanny or uh, after school clubs. All those things can add up. Um, so it's not just the, the family disruption, it's the financial disruption. And that's exactly what life insurance is designed to do. It's designed to ease the burden uh, and make things better for the people you leave behind. So raising a lump sum to pay the mortgage off, raising a lump sum to have a lump sum of money in the bank to give a safety net, two very common reasons why you might think about life insurance, as well as any other debts you've got, credit cards, loans, car agreements, you know, all sorts of things. Yeah, great. Okay, then. So should we move on to the second type of insurance? And we're talking about personal insurance just uh, to kind of uh, prompt the next episode where we'll be focusing on business protection specifically mm. for business owners. But but what would be the second type that people should be thinking about, Paul? Yeah, absolutely. So the next, for me, certainly most underused type of insurance is critical illness cover. So critical illness cover, by the way, in most cases, critical illness cover usually also covers you for death. So you're getting like a two for one because the life insurance bit is the cheap bit. Critical illness cover is designed to pay out if you get diagnosed with one of nowadays, it could be as many as 50 different, 60 different types of illnesses, conditions. Um, and they range significantly from the severe and the things that most people know, cancers and strokes and heart attacks. Uh, by the way, they're three of the top four most claimed things on any critical illness policy um, to things like being hospitalized and being in a coma for longer than a week there's an example of something that might happen to you out of the blue without being in bad health but that could seriously derail all sorts of things um and and that kind of thing is covered under a critical illness policy so it's usually a lump sum payout if you meet the diagnosis of a specific type of thing covered on the policy and usually with at least a certain level of severity. And nowadays, and, and for a long time actually, insurance companies have found ways of almost adding on the ability to claim for lower severity things. So if you don't quite meet the full definition of a cancer claim, I'll give you a good example. You might not have a certain stage of cancer. Let's say you had, you were a man, you had testicular cancer. You don't necessarily meet the full grading and staging that that cancer needs to be at, the severity it needs to be at, to be impactful enough, at least in the eyes of the insurance company, to mean a payout is due. But they have a little, almost like a little extra that comes as part of the policy that says, if you have testicular cancer and it's of at least this minor severity, we'll pay you a lump sum of £25,000, for example. I'm just freewheeling here, but you get the point. That in itself can be hugely valuable because Hopefully, if you do have something wrong, the chances are if you catch it early enough, it's treatable, it doesn't have a significant impact on your life or your longevity, let's say, but it's still disruptive in disruptful in the short term. You know, you might have to come off, stop working, you might have to have extra treatment, all those things have an impact financially. So, you know, those little things can really make a big difference. Um, and again, you know, more and more of those things are usually added. But as I say, the top four most claimed conditions on any policy with any insurer have always been heart attack, stroke, cancer, and multiple sclerosis. 
What's pretty cool about Critical Illness Cover, actually, uh, and you can tell I'm passionate about it because <laughs> I'm probably cool. going on a bit too much about it here, Chris. <laughs> so I'll apologise in advance and jump in if you need to shut me up. But um, you also get cover for children. So Critical Illness Cover actually usually covers, in most cases, up to two children under the age of 18, sometimes even under the age of 21, for a list of conditions that is nearly always very similar to the main conditions that would cover you. And if your child was diagnosed with one of those things, there would be a payout, again, that doesn't impact your main policy. It doesn't then mean the policy is cancelled. It doesn't then say, that's it, we've paid the claim, it's done. This is in addition to any claim that you might then make in the future. So again, you know, the worst thing any parent can think about is their child being ill, uh, seriously ill or not. But, you know, having that financial protection there that if your child was ill, that you could claim on the policy and that that would give you some financial protection whilst you're focusing everything you've got on making sure your child gets better, for me, is, is a great added benefit. That's probably where I'll stop because I could go on for a while about critical illness cover. It's a bit more comprehensive than life cover because it's about ill health or a set of circumstances where your health, at least temporarily, is not as good as it should be. I think you've put actually, forward a good argument. Yeah, well, thank you. You can tell I'm passionate, I'm sure. But statistically, you're much, much more likely to claim on a critical illness policy than you are on a life insurance policy, if mm. you think about it. Because let's say even if you said up until the age of 65, statistically, the chances of someone who's in reasonable health dying before the age of 65 are very small. But actually having some kind of serious illness, and we see all these kind of scary stats Every year when, you know, Stand Up to Cancer comes around, for example, that says now one in two people will get cancer at some point in their lives. Obviously, cancer is a really commonly feared illness, one of the most claimed illnesses on a, on a policy like this. Having that peace of mind, I think, is, is important. Um, and as I say, statistically, you're more likely to need to claim on it. But of course, that's impacted in the cost, which I'm sure we'll come on to. Yeah, we'll touch on that in a moment. Great. So move moving on then. What's the third type of insurance right. we should be? Third insurance. Similarly to critical illness, it doesn't involve you dying, but it does involve you getting unwell. It's called income protection. Um, sometimes goes by a different name, but usually income protection. And income protection pretty much does what it says on the tin. You know, if you are ill for any reason, so unlike critical illness, no clearly defined list of conditions you have to meet. If you are ill and it's either mental, physical, a disease, an illness, something that is stopping you from going to do your day-to-day -day job, whatever that might be, you get a replacement of your salary or at least a percentage of your salary for the duration of the time that you're off. So doesn't pay out a lump sum. Critical illness and life cover usually pay out a lump sum. They can be created to pay out an income, but they're not commonly. Income protection pays out a regular recurring income that's designed to replace some of your salary up until the point where you're either well enough to return to work or, in the worst case, if you're never well enough to return to work, then until the end of the length of the term that you've selected. 
So, you know, if you're very unlucky and, you know, you have to be off work for a long time, that can have a devastating impact on your lifestyle, on your finances, uh, on your family. Having income protection could give you the safety net you need to ensure that you can at least carry on paying your mortgage, your rent, your household bills, you know, everything that you need to make yourself and your family function whilst you're getting better. And of course, some people take a combination of life cover and critical illness and income protection. Everyone's different. Again, that important point that I mentioned earlier about don't over insure, but these are different products. You know, income protection is not the same as critical illness. It might be that you choose one over the other, and that will always depend on your views and your independent, uh, your individual circumstances. That's really good summary. Thanks, Paul. And, um, you know, of course, we can hear your passion coming through. This is a, a core part of the roof, as we refer to it, step three in the wealth building process. And we make sure that people really assess uh, the wills, powers of attorney, home ownership and and cover, uh, which is what we're talking about today. And um, for anyone who's listening, Paul, of course, we're happy to help um, connect people so they can have those discussions. Uh, we've got trusted IFA partners who uh, we'd be more than happy to connect people to for independent review of either what they've currently got to make sure it's the right cover um, or to get some cover set up. And um, probably just dropping us an email, hello at wealthbuilders.co.uk would be the best way to start that conversation, I would say. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. You know, it, it can it can be such a great exercise because even if you've got good cover and it's the right level, you might find that actually you can get the same cover for less somewhere else. Or you might find you've got good cover, but you haven't got quite enough. So you can arrange a small top up policy. There are all kinds of different things you can do. Mm. You've given us a few good examples already, Paul, but just to really sort of, you know, reinforce why it's so important to at least have a conversation with someone to make sure that you've got what you need. Um, of course, you know, we can think of, you know, some quite, quite terrible circumstances if perhaps you don't have this in place. Uh, are there any, you know, previous experiences where there's a good outcome, you know, there's been, uh, you know, kind of a, a happy ending, shall we say? Well, you know, there there is, and there's one that I'll always remember and always sticks with me, albeit actually it's probably a bit of a happy ending and a sad ending. Um, years and years ago now, again, when I said, I mean, this was when I first started off in the financial industry and, and I was focusing on protection. That's where I really found a, a passion for it. Um, I was, you know, speaking with a, with a client who was diabetic. Again, very, very common in the UK, you know, diabetes um if managed well obviously usually is is you know has a limited impact on your life but of course it can be much more severe i can't remember the particular details of this individual client but he we went through the process and we approached the insurance companies and they were prepared to cover him but they did what were they applied what was called a loading to his premium which is basically they assessed his medical situation they wrote to his doctor they gathered his information and they assessed that he was more of a risk, and therefore they applied an increase to his premium. And he ummed and ahed about whether to take it. And, you know, I thankfully really stressed him the importance of actually, if you have ill health, and it might be well managed and it might not have a massive impact on your life day to day, but if you are statistically more likely to get more seriously ill or to die before you should do because of your ill health, arguably it's even more reason to have protection. Because although you might pay more, the premium might be more than a standard insurance premium would be, 
the fact that they've taken your health into consideration and they've still offered you cover and they've offered a, a premium loading really ratifies for me that it's more likely that you will statistically need that cover. Not everyone does, of course, but um, I got a phone call about 10 or 12 months later from this person's wife who, you know, obviously was very sad to tell me that he passed away, but thankfully he'd taken the cover out. And so she was feeling hugely relieved and going through the claim process, making sure that her and her children were, were financially looked after because he'd done the right thing and taken out the cover despite the fact the premium had gone up. And thank goodness he did because otherwise they could have been in a serious situation. Yeah. Yeah, no, that's that's uh, you know a, a good example, a sad ending, of course, but um, yeah, stresses the importance uh, once again. So um, yeah, hopefully uh, we have given um, a simplistic kind of breakdown today. You've done a, a really good job there, Paul. Um, just to summarise, um, then um, you yeah. know, don't don't overinsure. You know, don't overinsure absolutely take, critical. Take, you know, take your lifestyle into consideration and yeah. um, health. Health and lifestyle has always got a big role to play. You know, if you're healthy, generally speaking, your premium should be okay. If you have a health condition or you have a a serious lifestyle condition, like you like to go and go mountain climbing, you know, that kind of thing can sometimes have an impact. But again, more likely to need to make a claim. So, um, you know, don't just I would say don't think that you're immortal. Don't think that you're, you know, it's not going to happen to you. You hear this all the time, I'm sure, but it really isn't hugely costly and it can be one of the most important things you choose to pay for if you take out protection, whichever one or more of the three you choose to have. Um, but, yeah, make sure you don't overinsure. You know, the term of the cover, the amount of cover, they are hugely influential in the amount that you pay, you know. Instead of taking a life policy for 30 years, if your mortgage only runs for 20 and you think you're going to be financially independent in 15, you could look at a 15-year term or a 20-year term instead of a 30-year term. You know, it really makes a massive difference. Um, just one final thing, I guess I would say, and this is particularly relevant, well, really only relevant for life cover is please make sure you write your life cover in trust. So important. It, it can be the difference between a loved one um, receiving an inheritance or your children, let's say, receiving assets and an inheritance without getting attacked by inheritance tax versus being clobbered by a big tax bill. And it's so easy to do. It's so simple to do. All of the insurance companies provide trusts as part of their suite of documents. Or you can go and see a qualified estate expert and they will be able to help you with trusts. But please, please, please get life cover written in trust. So important. Great. Thanks so much, Paul. And uh, we look forward to the next uh, episode where we'll be covering um, the business owner. So just give us a little summary. Who's who's that episode for and uh, what, what, what are some of the things they might be finding out uh, about? I'm, I'm chomping at the bit to get started on that one already. Um, it's all about it's, – it's for you if you are – Running a business that, it, you know, in most cases provides part, if not all, of your livelihood. Um, and it's we're going to talk about different ways that you can not just protect your, yourself and your loved ones, but actually protect the business as an entity, as an asset that's generating income for you. And, you know, even more than personal protection, so underutilized, so few businesses have insurance when they could really do with having it. Um, and I'm, you know... 
got three or four different types of cover that, uh, again, not complex stuff that we can talk about in really simple, easy terms. But, you know, I'd urge anyone who's got a business to, to listen into that one. Fantastic. Yeah, I can't wait for that one too. All right. Thanks as always, Paul. Good to have you on today. Cheers, Chris. See you soon. All right. So Paul got into the details there and uh, he, he's a detailed kind of guy, but you can tell his experience, his, his understanding of the topic there. And yeah. um, we'll dive into some of those points, Kevin, in a second. But um, let's uh, look at Trustpilot and uh, always love to shout out one of our members or, f- or followers or just someone from the community who's had a good experience. And uh, this week, uh, we have got a review. Let me scroll through. So I'm going to pick out one from Shep. And uh, Shep says, I read Kevin's free ebook a few years ago. It helped me discover a few pillars I was not paying attention to and look into them, such as the pension, SAS. I joined the Wealth Academy to help me refocus on the seven pillars and ask some of my burning questions from experts like Manish Kataria, who is one of our wealth coaches. Uh, and the whole team, Christian and others, are very helpful and their education platform is worth the price, but it is just a tiny portion of the value they give. Wealth builders have got accountability systems, ongoing live training, coaching, community building, and support to the T, which is sound because it's them putting into practice what they preach, as this is one of the pillars they have executed perfectly. I can only see the academy growing. And he finishes off by saying, I highly recommend wealth builders for anyone looking to build financial freedom using some of all of the seven pillars of wealth that Kevin Whelan recommends. Uh, And a PS, the free podcast. Wealth Talk is a good starting point if you're unsure if it's right for you. Is is that guy called Shep Whelan or Shep Robert? <laughs> the fan club. <laughs> no, just you know, could be from your brother or something. You know, with <laughs> the checks in the post. But it, but it's lovely, isn't it? That all of the things we want to be known for, we are known for. And thank you to Shep for that. Uh, but I think I want to pick up on this thing because it's really important. Paul. When, when we engage with people in the foundation of the academy, the first thing we ask them to do is assess what is their target level of income to be completely financially independent. Now, we don't judge the number, whether it's 3,000 a month, 5,000 a month, 10,000 a month, 15,000 a month, or even I spoke to someone last week in London and it was 250,000, uh, 20,000 a month is what they wanted, uh, just over that. And that's fine. Whatever the outcome is, is what your outcome is. But once you know that that's your outcome, the question that flows from that is if you're committed to that outcome for you, are you committed to that outcome for your family? Because if you're committed to the outcome for your family as well as you, in other words, if you, as the engine that drives the wealth forward, let's say it's a person, a member, um, and it obviously could be twos and threes and so on. Certainly couples work together very often. But let's say it was just one, and you're driving it forward. If that engine ceases, packs up. We know cars run for 100,000 miles now, and some cars have got a warranty now for 100,000 miles. But some cars will pack in. The big end will go. If your big end goes, do you want your family to be able to go and have that level of income or not? Now, if you do, you can then have two calculations to do. Where are you now on your GPS? And what's the gap? So if you stopped guillotined, you know, your income stopped, you were unable to, um, I know we focus mostly on life cover, let's say. So the impact of death first. 
So if you were no longer to able to be the asset, the engine that drives the assets forward, how much money would you need in a pot in order to provide that income for the next generation or your current family? And you can work that out because you can work out, well, what's the yield or the ROI that you'd be getting if you invested? So let's say you, could, you, you believed you could get 5% on your money, and I'm being very simplistic, and you needed 5000 a month, and you hadn't done anything at the beginning or right at the start of your journey. You need 60000 So you multiply that by 20. You need $1.2 in the bank in order to deliver that. Now, if that was the number, you would then look and say, well, how much income have I already got? Nothing, right? 1.2. How long is it going to take me in order to build that wealth? Well, my plan is five years. So let's assume worst case, worst case, took you 10. So I'll look 10 years, right? I'll then look at, um, do I have any other debt that needs to be repaid? And then I can total up exactly what I need. And then what am I going to get from other resources? So what am I going to get from my employer? Paul talked about death and service, which is basically a life insurance policy paid for by the company to provide death benefits for its staff. What's that? Well, if it's a multiple of your salary and your salary was 50,000, it was four times. And four times 50, 200,000, I now need 1 million. And then you just constantly evaluate that as to what it is you want to do if you want to fully protect. Whereas if somebody else has got an income, you can say, well, they will continue to work at some level. What do you want them to? Well, if you did, you could then scale backwards from there. So you're making a conscious and deliberate decision on life cover at least because that's finite. When that kicks in, you're kicked out, right? There's no possibility you get any money. And, of course, Paul's absolutely right. You put it in trust to make sure that if anything happens, that money goes straight to the family. You don't have to wait for wills. You don't have to wait for anything. I mean, assuming wills are in place, and of course we recommend that. But another point I would make, Paul didn't mention it, I will mention it, is if you didn't want to do that calculation of the what would be the return I'd need, you know, 5% on the money, you can buy something called a family income benefit policy, FIB, uh, for short, all these fancy names, but same, a result. What's the result? A monthly income for your family. Now, in some respects, that's cheaper because the insurance doesn't, company doesn't have to stump up a million in one go. Bang, death equals a million. They go, well, we're going to pay the family for the next 10 years. Right? So therefore, they're spreading the, the payment of that over time. So that can be a little bit cheaper to do it that way. So it's a combination of thinking and assessing the risk. What is the contribution from anybody else? Now, if you've got, for example, a big pension fund, you've been accumulated pension, that's death benefits as well. So you'd add that. You wouldn't add your state pension because your state pension is not going to pay you till much later. So you'd look at death benefits from work, the value of your pensions from all sources, Get somebody to help you if you can't do it on your own. And as Paul said, many advisors will do it for a few hundred pounds, thousand pounds, probably at most, and give you a real thorough assessment of what your needs are, then your options. And then when you get all the figures, you can look at it and say, do I want to fully insure, partly insure, or just accept the risk? 
once you make a decision, you've got clarity. And then that's really what you do. So when it comes to life cover, I think it's really quite simple. And once you become financially independent, you could argue you don't need any cover at all. Now, notwithstanding that, there are many of our members, Chris, who've got leverage on property. And if interest rates go up, that becomes weaker. So there might be a value in maintaining some cover to reduce debt, for example, if you've got leverage debt. But again, that's just a calculation that you would assess. Do you want to be fully debt-free in your family or do you want to be partially debt-free? You know, certainly, we have debates with clients just conversationally, not giving advice, but what level as a percentage of your total debt do you want to have some hand to is it 50%? So if you've got a portfolio worth 2 million, your mortgage can be no more than a million, so you pay down the rest. I don't know. But everybody is different in that regard. But the best thing to do is make that decision. Just as you're different and unique as you build your wealth, so you should be unique and different in how you protect it. I hope that gives a more universal qualification to back up and substantiate Paul's you know, more detailed description Although he did forget FIB, so um. <laughs> we'll pull him up on that when we next see him. But no, I think that does balance things out really nicely. So thanks for explaining that, Kev. And um, as we said, we're doing a second episode around this topic next week, and uh, Paul again will be coming in, and uh, this time focusing on the different types of cover for business owners specifically. Yeah, albeit. The life cover piece is the same, right? If you're a director of a limited company, you've still got personal needs, but there's difference there. And I'm sure Paul will cover it next time, which is you get some tax breaks. So whenever you buy insurance as a person, you're paying for it with after-tax pounds. When you buy insurance, well, other than the company death and service benefit, which is normally tax-free, uh, certainly the proceeds are tax-free, again, Fill out the form to make sure it's in trust. Uh, that way you're keeping the proceeds and the benefits tax-free for the next generation. Um, but the fact that whenever you've got a business, you can treat the payment of the cost of that as a business expense in your own business. So therefore, you're paying with pre-tax pounds. And if currently corporation tax is 25p in the pound, you've got a 25% reduction in the cost of your insurance. At least that, because you don't have national insurance to pay and other things to pay. So it could be 50%, 60%, or certainly getting on for that, uh, lower. Certainly 50% it could be. And if it's 50% cheaper, then either you accept that the cost to insure you is less, which is good news, or you have more cover than, and you fully mitigate, right? So you've, you've got a much better balance of choices. Yeah, and you have a business than you do when you're a private individual. So there's a little teaser to make sure you tune in for next week. And um, hope you enjoyed listening today. As always, if uh, you think somebody else you know might benefit from uh, what we've been discussing, please hit the share button. And uh, hopefully they'll discover the world of wealth talk for themselves and uh, be in time for our big 200th episode, which is so, so close now, Kevin. Yeah. And look, we make no apologies for getting into the nitty gritty of things. Because often it's by doing that that it serves people's needs to dive a little bit deeper for themselves, especially the DIYers, you know, who want to do it, all the ones who want to get an advisor. You, you're well briefed 
because you, you're now knowing what the advisor is having to consider, and they have an obligation to do the best thing by you. And I think you made a great point about avoiding, well, you didn't say avoid, I'm going to say avoid, avoid long-term insurance just because it's sold uh, to maximise commissions. And we see that, don't we? We see people recommend something to maximise the, the, the revenue to them as opposed to minimise the cost to you, or at least make it a fair balance because um, you may need cover for 20, 30 years. You may. And if you do, there's nothing wrong with that. As long as you feel confident, the advisor is assessing your needs and helping you because you'll need to understand the cost to make a decision. And you can't really do that with comparison sites, particularly if you've had a health condition. Paul talked about a guy with diabetes who unfortunately passed. Uh, you could be, you could have a dangerous sport or hobby. Uh, I know it's pretty dangerous with you on the golf course, Chris, so I try and stay behind you. <laughs> um, you know what I mean? There could be dangerous things that are going on in your life. One of our clients is a glider. And, you know, so the fact that he glides many, many hours, which means his insurance would be higher. So you have to consider that. What do you want to do? Give up gliding? No, I don't. I want to do gliding. Well, therefore, you have to consider that in assessing your risk as well. So all of these things, your lifestyle, your health style, and your decision-making style will all come into play. And I would suggest anybody finds an advisor they're comfortable with and has a good conversation, a robust conversation, and just don't duck it. It's all too easy, like my dad, to go, I'm invincible. Nothing's going to happen to me until one day it does. And instead of having your family moving forward in tragedy, but you benefit from their good planning, you don't, you send them backwards. And that's definitely not something I would recommend to anybody. Well, I'm off for a swim in the sea now, Kevin. So hope there's no sharks. Otherwise, my premiums might increase as well. So, Yeah, not too many sharks on the south coast of Bournemouth. No. But, uh, <laughs> should be all right, Chris, especially with your body. There's not enough meat on you, mate. No, that's true. That's true. Lean. All right. So uh, thanks again for listening. Hope you enjoyed today's episode. Kevin, we'll catch up same time, same place next week. We will indeed, unless the sharks get you. See ya. <laughs> We hope you enjoyed today's episode. Don't forget that we are constantly updating our resources inside the Wealth Builders membership site to help you create, build and protect your wealth. Head over to wealthbuilders.co.uk slash membership right now for free access. That's wealthbuilders.co.uk slash membership.